details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public, no more secrecy. That's the commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Finally, a guy in broadcasting that represents the very average side of us all. The following broadcast is in the hands of a college-educated, barely-employed guy that does a podcast for an audience of fewer people than Paris Hilton has brain cells. It's hard to imagine that he's perpetually single. Now, from the middle of desert Urbania, this is Michael Groth in Exile. In exile, indeed. Welcome in. Yes, another edition. Michael Graff in exile underway. It is Wednesday, April 14th, 2010. And it's beginning to feel a lot like summer. I actually have the air conditioner going in here and... I'm doing my best. Uh, I have all the uh, audio, the noise suppression, the background suppression, the gate on the microphone all the way up so that we can generally avoid having you hear that in the background. But uh, it's inevitable at this time of the year. It's just, it's going to happen. There's really not much I can do about it. All right. Big uh, weekend planned heading up to Vegas. Uh, I'm not actually bringing any money this it's a weird thing it's actually a business venture so uh that's my weekend ahead so i will uh, be doing the podcast today and then doing it tomorrow and then there almost definitely won't be one on friday i don't know unless i i'm up at like three o'clock in the morning and i just decide to pound out a podcast but uh otherwise i don't know it's hard to not sure I'm not going to be flying up there, that's for sure. Man, I've had all these stories about airlines, and uh, we haven't even gotten into this on the show, but it's getting out of hand the way that airlines are nickel and diming you to death. And it's not even nickels and dimes anymore. It's flat out. They are just, they are bending you over and uh, monetarily sodomizing you. That's what's happening with the airline industry. Uh, There's... It's finally happened, and I predicted it on the show a long time ago, and now here it is. We actually are having this happen. There's an airline uh, called Ryanair. They're based out of Ireland, and they are charging you to go to the bathroom. I'm not making this up. Ryanair, based out of uh, Dublin, I believe. This is a, an airline flies all the way across uh, Ireland and the British Isles, I guess, and they... If you want to use the toilet, they are, uh, they're going to charge you. And here's the thing. They're actually removing two lavatories from the aircraft so that they can make room for more seats, six more seats. This is just how the airline industry works. And I can't imagine why so many of them are having such financial difficulties. Just doesn't make any sense at all. Really? All right. So uh, that's one of them. And then there's Spirit Air. Now, this Spirit Air, this is really interesting. Spirit Air is actually going to charge you if you bring carry-on luggage on board and you want to use the overhead bin. If you use the overhead compartment on Spirit Air, they're going to charge you, I believe, 
15 bucks. Or maybe it's uh, 30 bucks. I... Anyway, the charge will be taking place very soon. So if you take Spirit Air, they're going to be charging you as well. It doesn't matter what airline you take. They all pretty much do it. And this is why if I do fly, this is an unsolicited advertisement. I, um, I fly Southwest Airlines. And the reason I fly Southwest is because they don't nickel and dime you with all that stuff. They have those commercials, Bags Fly Free. And it's true. Uh, bags fly free on Southwest Airlines. They don't charge you uh, to have your bags on board and uh, to, you know, to um, to check your bags or to bring them on the aircraft or whatever. Um, they, they don't charge you a fee for it as of yet. All the other airlines, basically they do. Continental, Delta. Um, I mean, if you fly Delta, you're taking your life into your own hands, really. Um U.S. Airways. U.S. Airways just has a problem getting out the gate on time. Hell, they have a problem getting out of the gate on time or within an hour of the scheduled departure time. A little bit of an issue. Maybe, the, see, what should happen is the airline should, you should be able to uh, charge the airline if they can't take off on time. You should be able to reverse some charges against them. But can you imagine? They're, they're going to charge you. There's, a, there's an airline, and this is going to spread. Make no mistake about it. There's an airline, Spirit Air, that is charging you to bring on carry-on luggage. Now, the thing is, if you can stow it under the seat, they're still not going to charge you for it on Spirit Air. But if you have to use the overhead compartment, they're going to do so. What if you bring it on board and you just don't have any more money? What if you've spent all the money you have to spend on flying from point A to point B and checking your bags in the first place and you didn't even know that they had this bizarre sort of policy of charging you for a carry-on and for using the overhead bin. What if you just flat out are out of money? What are they going to do? Take your bag and just toss it outside? They can say, all right, well, you can still fly, but your bag cannot. We are going to leave it right here on the tarmac. Is that what they would do? I, I'm, I have a feeling, I have this, this very strange suspicion that maybe that's what they would do. Spirit Air. So the airline industry is just, it's going gangbusters, isn't it, folks? Speaking of going gangbusters, um, you know, I, I have some economic news and, and maybe I'll pass that along on the show. But I'm, I'm thinking, you know what, probably not. I think we'll just save this uh, for tomorrow or something. I've done enough of the economic news lately. It's it's all still pretty depressing, even though even though there is. Um, well, they're calling this a, a major victory because um, consumer revenue. Cons let's see. Um, yeah, revenue was up, uh, let's see here, commercial revenue up 1.3%. Uh, okay, big deal. You know Talk to me when the unemployment rate starts dropping substantially. Talk to me when um, we have, uh, when we're back down to like 4 or 5% unemployment. Thanks. All right, uh, other news. Iran is getting the nuke. They're getting closer and closer to getting the nuke. I know this is something that I've been talking about on this show all the way back to 2002. I went back to the archives the other day, and yes, I have been talking about this story for eight years now behind this microphone, behind uh, on this very show or on a version of this very show for the last eight years, I've been warning you about it. And I know people are getting tired of hearing about it because you don't think it's ever going to happen and that I'm just fear mongering. But Iran is getting very close to having a nuke. They're going to have a, a working nuclear reactor by August. So says Iran and so says Russia. And they would know because they're helping the Iranians acquire the materials necessary for nukes and for weapons. <coughs> well, the weapons part is sort of, it's the worst kept secret in the world, but apparently it's still going on as well. But, you know, they just want to use their nuclear power for peace. Sure. And, you know, that's, that's why they say that um, they're still on uh, about the Jews and they want to exterminate the Jews and all this in Israel. I don't know why Israel just doesn't do it themselves. I don't know why Israel doesn't just go over there just like they did to Saddam Hussein back in 1981 in the middle of the night, just fly over and bomb the crap out of their uh, nuclear ambitions over there in Iran. Just fly in. And I don't care. Maybe you have to use tactical nuclear weapons to get rid of their nukes. I don't care. Whatever you have to do, just let, let Israel handle it. Because clearly, uh, the Obama administration, we're too busy uh, making bad deals with the Russians uh, to eliminate our nuclear arms. 
a measure which has no real sustainability. Uh, the Russians can back out of the deal anytime they feel like it. There's really nothing in it for the United States. Russia has the, is totally the beneficiary of this. It doesn't make any sense at all. And yet we made that. That is a great deal. Boy, Obama is a shrewd, shrewd negotiator. Boy, can you imagine you're sitting across the table from him? I would love it, actually. If I was sitting across the table from Obama and I was up for like a, an employee evaluation and uh, Obama says to me, well, you know, um, your performance is okay and, you know, your department is doing okay, um, we're prepared to offer you a 1.5% raise. And I say, you know what? Well, I got to tell you, I think uh, I, I, I'm cool with that, but I, I'd like actually a 50% raise. And then Obama says, all right, done. <laughs> that's, that's the shrewd negotiating tactics of Barack Obama. There you go, a, a fine leadership job. That is hope and change we can believe in right there. All right, speaking of the, uh, the Obama Express, we've got news, uh, Sarah Palin, She's out there. She's still doing the Tea Party stuff. The Tea Party thing is still going on. You know, there are now, there's now an organization out there that is devoted to crashing the Tea Parties. And what they do is, and I, this is really, really just, well, this is exactly what you're afraid of if you have an organization like the Tea Party and you're just out there. You've got a bunch of Americans. You know, you've got a generally grassroots operation that's out there. You've got people that are just sort of fed up with the current situation in government and they're out there trying to make some ruckus. And then you've got, you've got the, number one, you've got people on the left that are just generalizing all people in the Tea Party as nothing but whack jobs and racists and extremists and uh, anti-government nuts and they're all a bunch of Tim McVeigh's and Terry Nichols and all this kind of, whatever sort of pejorative comment that they have used to disparage people in the Tea Party. Mostly it just, they call them racists and bigots and all this. Well, the thing is, is that that label is being garnered because some people in the Tea Party uh, act up, I guess. They, they make inflammatory comments. Well, they're not really people associated with the Tea Party. Here's what happens. So there's this, uh, there's this website, CrashThePARTY.org. And these are people that go to Tea Party rallies pretending to be members of the Tea Party and they, uh, they bring signs that are misspelled. They begin yelling inflammatory, racist, inherently bigoted remarks. And they try to do things to incite others to follow this. They try to sort of uh, use the mob mentality in whatever way they can. And this is their tactic to make the Tea Party, to sort of disparage the Tea Party, make the Tea Partiers look like a bunch of nudniks. That's their general principle behind doing all this. Again, that's CrashThePARTY.org that's behind this whole derailing of the Tea Party movement. And there's other organizations that are out there to do this as well. So be on the lookout for this if you're participating in the Tea Party movements and, and whatnot. You know, there's a survey out here today that says that 24% of Americans plan on participating not just aligning themselves with, but participating in Tea Party movements, Tea Party rallies and whatnot. This is a growing sentiment. This is something that's very interesting. And it really reflects the idea of throw the bums out, which is sort of the mentality that I've been spreading around for a while now on this show and that others have been echoing as well. The American people, by and large, are getting really sick of politics as usual. They're tired of messages of hope and change, which are really nothing more than fraudulent. They're tired of the same old politics as usual from both Republicans and Democrats. They see them as one and the same. And really, when you cut through all the minutia, let's be honest here. Republicans and Democrats nowadays there's not a lot of difference. Yes, you can say, well, one's trying to push health care through and the other's not. And yeah, but at the end of the day, they're, they're both spending outrageous amounts of money on government waste. They're both being completely wasteful, uh, totally uh, deciding to abandon their obligation to the American people, totally distancing themselves from their own constituents uh, so that they can have a massive power grab. And that's what people are seeing this as. 
then perception is reality more often than not. I mean, look at all the news stories. Look at everything that's going on. People are tired of it. People are seeing what's happening. They want answers to questions, and they're just not getting it. They want to know why the unemployment is 9.7%. They want to know why they're losing their jobs, why they're being laid off, why their 401ks have disappeared. Yes, you can tell me the Dow has been up a little bit. It's up 10,700, close to 11,000. NASDAQ and the S&P, it's... The, the, the market indicators, again, as we talked about on the other, uh, on Monday's podcast, some of the market indicators have sort of pendulum back to normal. But people still want to know what happened to all this money? What happened to, uh, what happened to everything? What happened to their houses? What happened to their jobs? Why aren't they seeing the hope and change that they thought they were voting for? People want answers and they're not getting it. They're not getting it from Democrats. They're not getting it from Republicans. And that's why this Tea Party movement is taking off in the first place. It's not just your standard sort of anti-government mentality. These are people that are just plain fed up. And really, it's, it's some of the disgruntled Republicans, disgruntled Democrats, but it's really a lot of independents. And that's the thing that you really have to be thinking about when we're talking about the upcoming November election. You have to be thinking about the the fact that these are independents, folks. In poll after poll, you know, yes, Democrats are obviously going to be opposed, uh, rather, Republicans are obviously going to be opposed uh, to Barack Obama and most of his policies, and by and large, the polls reflect that. Democrats are, by and large, going to drink the Kool-Aid and carry the water for their, uh, for their leader, uh, Barack Obama. Although there are certainly some indications that uh, that isn't totally the case. But really, it's about the independence. And by and large, polls continue to show that independents are trending away from the Democrat leadership in the, in the White House and in Congress. And that's where the Tea Parties really come in. That's the base that they're trying to get after in the Tea Party. It's not just the people that have sort of defected from the Republicans. It's not sort of the, the Republicans that are just sort of mingling in there. It's not really people on the right per se. It's people that are just fed up. It's the throw the bums out crowd that's getting behind the Tea Party now. And those are the people that you have to be interested in. All right. That's not all. We have a lot, a lot of other things to talk about, too. The Michael Graff Show's stupid news file. I do want to get to some of this stuff. Um, oh, a fashion trend that apparently is being wiped out. Oh, well, boy. And I was so looking forward to seeing seven-year-olds wearing bikinis, uh, stuffed bikinis. I was so looking forward to that. Oh, what? The microphone's on? Yeah. Um we got to talk about that and a lot of other stuff happening as well. Oh, hockey playoffs getting started. I know it's generally a yawn fest. I have hockey ratings that I have to pass along that. For those of you that think that hockey is going to be coming back to some semblance of status in the U.S., you'd better think again because... It doesn't look that way to me. All right, this is Michael Groff in exile on a Wednesday. More coming up. Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address for your most generous contributions to the program. Uh, EFNet IRC, the channel net radio. We're also on AOL Instant Messenger. The screen name is Michael Groff. It's the one and only Michael Groff, as always, in exile. We'll be back.
Indeed not. Yeah. Maybe for the only time in my life. Something in the air. Something in the air. Turning me around and guiding me right. I, I'm, I'm still waiting for that. But it's a prime time. Back with segment number two, Michael Groff in exile. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. Also the PayPal address, should you wish to make a most generous contribution to this here show. Oh, yeah. Even the brightest star won't shine forever. It's good stuff. I'm just going to play music the rest of the show. Screw you guys. You know what? Every move I make feels like a winner. Something in the air. Yeah, I still have the sore throat thing going on. I could still do my Bill Clinton. I could, well, I can't really do my Bill Clinton person. My, my throat is still a little bit, uh, it's still bugging me a little bit. I've had this this sort of twinge of a cough now. It's like a week that I've, I've had this. This must be like what smokers have to deal with every single day, which is, again, reason number 4,379 that I am not a smoker. Uh, that falsetto right there. All right. So a big controversial bill passed in Arizona today. Arizona is really getting the rap now for the toughest state on illegal immigration, and I love it. And I think that this is, it's about damn time we have a bill that has gone through the state house and the state senate. It is expected to be on the governor's desk anytime. She is expected to sign this. And it will give the police the authority to arrest illegal immigrants, which they already sort of have the means to do. But it will toughen the uh, ability, well, actually, it will ease the ability for police to uh, do their job and arrest illegal immigrants. People who are in the United States violating the sovereignty of the United States illegally. I don't understand why this was a controversial measure. There's nothing controversial about this at all. This is this is simple. If you're violating the law, if you're breaking the law, if police have reasonable suspicion that you may be an illegal immigrant, then they can do something about it. And I know people are going to say, well, what's what's going to happen? People are going to be pulled over driving while brown. Is that what's going to happen? Are we going to start going? You know what? Listen, here's the point in all this. And I've heard people make the leap uh, saying, you know, now the police are going to come around knocking on people's doors, looking for illegals, and this is going to hamper fighting crime. You know, that's just ridiculous. Those kind of arguments are simply ridiculous. They are out of place. Uh, we don't do that now. We have laws that are on the books that are in an effort to quell the illegal immigration problem. It is the biggest problem that is facing the state of Arizona right now. It is the reason that we are in the financial dire straits that we are. Um, illegal immigrants contribute to 30% of the crime in Maricopa County alone, which is uh, the county that the vast majority of the Phoenix metro area resides in. So you have to understand that uh, the crime, the amount of cost when you're talking about uh, medical care, health care. Um, you're talking about uh, education. Uh, it's all a drain on the system. Let's see. Uh, police would have the power to stop and verify the immigration status of anyone they suspect of being illegal. The bill could still face a veto uh, from Jan Brewer, but we all know that that's not going to happen. Under the measure passed Tuesday by Arizona's lower house uh, after being passed earlier by the state Senate, uh, foreign nationals are required to carry proof of legal residency. You're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, this isn't fair. You're telling me that, that people that come to this country, they're required to carry around proof um, that they're here legally? Yeah, well, you know, that's, that's what happens. It's just like after 9-11. You know, this is the thing. 
if you're a Middle Eastern person, okay, you're, you're from Saudi Arabia, you're from Egypt, you're wherever, you're from the Middle East, you're from the general area, and you're in an airport, and people start looking at you funny, and you say, you know what, man, that's just not fair. That is not fair that people are looking at me funny. It's not fair that I'm being potentially profiled. Well, number one, we all know that the TSA, that's the last, those are the last people that people profile now. They don't profile Middle Eastern folks. No, it's 79-year-old Gertrude that's going through in a wheelchair, all right? Those are the people, and it's a, a seven-year-old kid. Those are the people that are being profiled at the airport and have their stuff searched through and being felt up and molested. We all know that the Middle Eastern people walk right on through. Otherwise, they would sit there and scream discrimination, and they would run immediately to the ACLU. So we all know that that's not happening. We know that um, there's, no, there's no real uh, risk of that. But if it were, you'd have to just accept it if that's what goes on. Because guess what? We're facing a substantial threat from the Middle East, from terrorists who have vowed to blow themselves up or do whatever means necessary to take down planes, Al-Qaeda, etc. That's who hit us in 9-11. That's, who's hit, uh, that's who is responsible for the lion's share of terror attacks that go on across the world on an, on an everyday basis. You know what we haven't done on the show in a long time, and maybe we should do this again. We haven't given you a, uh, the terror numbers update in a long time. And every day, and I, believe me, I've been following it. I haven't looked at it uh, in the last, uh, in a while now, but every day that we followed this, there's... There's uh, at least half a dozen, if not a dozen or more terror attacks that go on every day on planet Earth. Okay, all in the name of the religion of peace. So you'll forgive us if we're going to uh, do a little bit of profiling. I'm sorry, it's, it's the way it is. And the same thing happens with illegal immigration. People are going to get profiled. If you're... If you're a black guy, you're not going to get stopped. If you're a white guy, you're not going to get stopped. If you're a Hispanic guy, you, you probably, you might. It's how it is. You're not going to be thrown out of the country if you have proof of citizenship. And what if you say, if you say well, uh, I left my driver's license at home. Well, you're still not going to get thrown out of the country. You're going to be issued a citation. And they're going to say, well, you better uh, show substantial, uh, some legitimate proof of being here legally. You know, if you know your social security number, if you if you have a driver's license with you, the only way, allegedly, that you're able to get a driver's license is to be a legal citizen of the United States if you don't have a driver's license. Um, let's say you're not driving a car, all right, but you don't have, so you, you would still have a government-issued ID. You'd carry it around with you presumably everywhere. I don't know how you couldn't. I, mine's always in my wallet, and I'm always carrying my wallet. There is no doubt that something has to be done about illegal immigration, and this is a step. However, to me, this is, while this is helpful and while this is an okay thing, I don't see this as the panacea. If you want the panacea for illegal immigration, what you have to do is turn off the free stuff. You have to stop the incentive for people to come here illegally. You have to make this place not a bullseye. You have to make it so that this place is not at all desirable. And listen, I, I, I know because we have this discussion all the time and I feel that I always have to qualify this because otherwise people will think of me as being insensitive. I know if you live in a hellhole like Mexico or Ecuador or Guatemala or Equ uh, El Salvador or Honduras or Belize, I understand you want to come here. I understand you want to come to the United States. Who wouldn't? This is the greatest country. I mean, for all of its faults, even for the Obama administration and even for everything else that's gone on, this is still the greatest country in the world. Who wouldn't want to come here? Who wouldn't want to get out of Belize, all right? Who wouldn't want to get out of Ecuador? Of course you want to get out. Of course you want to be here. You know, who wouldn't? But the point is you have to do so legally. Otherwise, we're going to have to toss you out of here. So while I sympathize with the idea that you want to get out, there's a lot of people that have ill intent that come here. It may not be the vast majority. It may not even be the majority. But there are people that come here that have ill intent for this country. And unfortunately, those people have ruined it for everybody else. Plus, again, it's, 
It's a drain to the people that have come here legally, that have migrated the fair way, that have done it the right way. It's a, it's, it's a, uh, it is not fair to those people. And quite frankly, it's not fair to the American taxpayers uh, that are trying to, uh, that already have to cover a substantial burden for other folks with uh, increasing government spending and government programs. And now we're going to have to cover uh, even more illegal immigrants. Sorry, uh, the money is just not there. And the justification for the increased crime, it's just not there. All right. Uh, so, I, I, again, I sympathize. You know, Joe Arpaio, he says he's going to enforce this. He's already been enforcing this. Look, this is just another, um, as, another way to enforce existing laws. I, I mean, it really isn't even necessary. We shouldn't even have to do this. But for some reason... We do. And I don't get it either. Believe me. All right, then we have this for you. Israeli officials say that Syria has delivered accurate long-distance Scud missiles to the Lebanese group Hezbollah, placing Israeli cities even deep in the heartland, including Tel Aviv, within range. The officials added that the delivery of the missiles strongly denied by Syria and yet to be confirmed by sources outside of Israel would change the strategic balance in the area and increase the risk of war. Oh, so you're telling me that uh, the Syrians have been supplying Hezbollah with missiles? Boy, this is a shock, isn't it? The same Syria that helps to fund Hezbollah? It's not just Syria, though, in all fairness. It's also the Iranians that have been doing this for a long time. This doesn't surprise me at all. And if the, if the Israelis say this is going on, there's no reason to discount this because, after all, Israeli intelligence has been regarded as vastly superior to our own intelligence. They're right there in the bullseye of all these other countries. I would have no reason to doubt this claim. Maybe Glenn Miller would, but I think the rest of us here in uh, insane land, know what's going on. So the Syrians, uh, let's see, quote, this creates a new situation. Another uh, Israeli official said, insisting on anonymity, he tried to say, because of continuing diplomatic efforts to deal with the concern. Quote, these are more accurate and far more dangerous. American and French officials have both said that they were aware of the Israeli concerns but did not know whether the missiles had actually been delivered. Quote, if such an action has been taken and we continue to analyze uh, this issue, State Department says clearly uh, it potentially puts Lebanon at significant risk. Well, look, once again, uh, we're going to turn our back on this situation. This is what we've done in this country. And I'd like to just say it's Obama that's been doing this. But, you know, even the Bush administration, they really, uh, they didn't stand up for Israel very much. We haven't, uh, as a nation, really stood by the Israelis and really backed them up on, on these assertions in a long time. Uh, I know we're, we're knee-deep in problems over there as it is for ourselves with Iraq and Afghanistan. But at the same time, the Israelis are trying to tell us, look, uh, these these groups, these terror groups, they're getting they're getting armed up again. Well, we already know that they were armed up because the last time when uh, when one of one too many of these Hezbollah suicide bombers ran into Israel, and Israel said, "All right, it's enough, enough, enough's enough. We're gonna just go out there and kill all of you." Well, we saw what happened. Uh, the uh, Hezbollah started firing back with with RPGs. The craziest part about Hezbollah is that they have a TV station, they have an office, they, have, they actually have their own official buildings. They're a terrorist organization. It's almost, like, it's almost like they're the Legion of Doom. We know exactly where they are, and yet we don't blow them off the face of the earth. The Israelis don't do it, the United States doesn't do it, the rest of the world, they, we all know where they are, we all know that they exist, and yet somehow we continue to allow them to exist and spout their crap and make their threats and acquire missiles and RPGs and other weapons and nobody does anything about it. And then these, they, they go on their suicide bombing runs and we don't stop them. My question is, at what point 
does the United States bear culpability for the fact that we're, if we're supposedly an ally of Israel, at what point do we have to, you know, take some accountability and say, gee, you know, maybe we ought to be sticking up for you guys. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of blood on our hands because we know where Hezbollah is. We know they exist. Uh, we, I mean, it's not like they try to hide where they are and we're not stopping them. That's, um, the United States is, uh, I don't, I don't know what we're doing. We say we have a war on terror going on and that we're not going to tolerate terrorism. We're not going to put up with terrorists. That was part of the Bush doctrine and supposedly Obama is, is concerned about, uh, terrorists acquiring nuclear weapons. Well, I mean, where, who else, where else would you start but Hezbollah? Aside from Al-Qaeda or the Taliban, where else would you start but with Hezbollah? The Iranians are giving them money and missiles. The Syrians are giving them missiles. At what point does something get done here? It's just like the Iranians. They have this nuclear reactor that the Russians say will be online by August. And the Iranians continue to say, oh, we're, gonna, we're going to be using this for peace. No, you're not. We know that you're not using this for peace. We know that you're tr attempting to uh, get a, um, a nuclear missile going. And then if we try to investigate what's going on, you're going to start a war and you're going to blow us all up. So that pretty much tells us everything we need to know. You're still making all your comments about the Israelis. At what point does Israel just decide enough's enough and they just do something about it? And they go in there with spec ops teams and they take out the nuclear capabilities of the Iranians. I mean, at what point do they do that? What point does the United States do that, maybe? And again, I know we have our hands full here, but we're supposedly an ally to Israel. Forgive me uh, for, again, crossing over to this. And I know, again, Glenn Miller, you're going to be upset because I'm defending the Jews. But, you know, uh, at some point, maybe uh, we ought to uh, fulfill our obligation to Israel and... Um, and instead of just, you know, talking to them and, and being cordial, maybe we ought to actually uh, show a little bit of our muscle, flex a little bit of our might, and uh, try and stand up for them and say, "All right, look, uh, we'll take out those, um, we'll take out those missiles. We'll help you out. We'll help you guys out. We'll handle this. We got it. We got this one." At what point do we do that? All right, Conan O'Brien, switching topics here. Conan O'Brien says that he is, well, uh, he's not going to Fox after all. Now, this is very, very bizarre. I, I don't even know what to make of this. Conan O'Brien says that he's going to have a show on TBS at 11 o'clock Eastern time. And that uh, that's going to be the thing that uh, he's going to... Now, there was, of course, reportedly after the whole thing with NBC and the blow up, there was, uh, he was going to go to Fox... Uh, maybe in September, and he was going to start up his show there and compete with Jimmy Kimmel and David Letterman and Jay Leno. But I guess that's that's out now. Um, folks at TBS came to him now. At first, Conan O'Brien said he doesn't want to do that because George Lopez has a show that's on at 11 o'clock on TBS. But George Lopez said, no, I want you to come here. I want you to be a lead-in to me. I'm going to go on an hour later. You'll be my lead-in. It'll kick ass. It'll be great. This has got to be... I don't know who's advising Conan. I don't know. Maybe the $40 million he got from NBC just went to his head. Maybe he... he I, I don't know. Maybe they drugged the money or something. But this is not a good career move. I'm just going to play Conan O'Brien's agent here for just a second and say, Conan... It's a bad move. It's TBS. It's basic cable. And I know a lot of people have TBS. And I know that, you know, some cable shows do well. I get it. But you know what? Uh, at the end of the day, you want to be on one of the big networks. You want to be on CBS, ABC, NBC, or Fox. And if you're not on one of those, then I don't see how you're going to be relevant. I, I, I don't see it. I, this just, it just feels like a really bad move to me. And it looks like a bad move for Conan. It makes sense for a guy like George Lopez because George Lopez doesn't really have a whole lot going on with his career. I know he had a bad show that got canceled and, or I don't know, a couple of bad shows that got canceled. 
I understand that. So for George Lopez, the whole thing makes sense. It, it sort of puts him on the map, and he doesn't really have a lot of pressure to be funny or to be great because he's on TBS. It's 11 o'clock. Who the hell cares? You're up against a bunch of juggernauts anyway, so you can always justify it by saying, well, you know, I'm up against Letterman and Leno and, and all these other guys, uh, Jimmy Kimmel. I'm up against these shows. How do you expect me to really succeed? And if he gets anything above like about a point eight, that's considered a major success for George Lopez. But on the other hand, Conan O'Brien, a guy that had been on uh, NBC at uh, at 12 o'clock uh, for, for all that time. And then uh, he finally got the, the the Tonight Show time slot and it didn't do well because Jay was a terrible lead in, dragged down the entire network. I felt really bad for Conan. And then you, you think, okay, well, he's going to reemerge at Fox and he's going to take away some of the audience from Leno. And uh, you got to hope so because Leno sucks. And I mean, there's got to be something better to watch at that time. Nothing against Letterman, but, you know, I mean, come on. There's just got to be an alternative here. And then he says, no, I'm, I'm going to go to I'm going to go to TBS. Now, for, for Fox, I guess it makes sense. Fox has their reruns of The Simpsons. Fox is making plenty of money. They don't want to invest big dollars into a guy like Conan O'Brien, who really, to them, doesn't really have a proven track record of success. Okay, sure, he was on at midnight, but anybody could get ratings on at midnight. You're up against a guy that can barely speak English, uh, who's that, uh, Craig Ferguson. You're up against uh, you're up against a bunch of guys, a bunch of scrubs. Conan O'Brien is better than those guys. Of course Conan O'Brien is going to clean up in that time slot. But you see, he had a terrible lead-in with Jay, but nonetheless, the, the ratings just weren't there. He wasn't able to, you know, really compete with David Letterman. Wasn't able to compete with Jimmy Kimmel. So uh, it, this whole thing is really starting to look bad for, for Conan. And, you know, it's too bad. I like Conan. I really like Conan. He seems like a good guy, a genuine guy, and I felt really bad for the way that NBC uh, put the screws to this dude. And they really stood by that, that jackass Jay Leno, and I can't stand Jay, but... Boy, going on TBS, man, that's just, it doesn't seem like a good move. I'm going to watch. I'll be tuned in. You know that that's going to happen. But still, it just seems seems strange. You know, the problem is it's uh, it's going to be on at like, uh, well, I don't know how they're going to work it, but I guess it'll probably be on at, uh, unless they, uh, they rebroadcast it, I guess it'll probably be on at 8 o'clock here. If they're going to do it at 11 East, it'll be on at 8 uh, local time here. I mean, I'll tune in and I'll, I'll watch it, but... I don't I I don't know. I really don't commit to many TV shows these days. I watch most of the stuff. If I'm going to watch something, I'll watch it on Hulu. I have to admit my uh my viewing time with TV unless it's sports uh that's way down. I mean, right now as I'm sitting here, I'm watching baseball games. Uh I've got the NBA playoff or the um well, the the last game of the regular season, Suns Jazz. I got that going on. I got the Diamondbacks game. I mean, it's it's uh it's just, it's nonstop media that's going on here right now. That's, I'm being bombarded by media left and right. So let me see here. I've got, uh, well, yeah, I mean, you have to understand that's, that's what I do. I, I just, yeah, like, for example, like uh, over here, this is what's going on. Over here, I've got the Diamondbacks game going on right now. So here's that. Young's off to a nice start to his season. 321 average, three homers, 12 runs batted in. That's he the, is tied for second with those three homers. Third with the, the radio play-by-play play for the Diamondbacks. He's hitting six, six. I know we're, we're playing that without uh, without expressed written consent by the authority of Major League Baseball. And they'll come after me. Uh, and then I've got the, the, got the Suns over here. i got the Diamondbacks over there. i got uh, the Coyotes, the Whiteout. They're playing the Red Wings right now or just getting, getting that game going. So... It's uh, it's it's a full night of sports, and you know that's that stuff I'll watch live on TV. You kind of have to. Sports is that way, but everything else is pretty much on demand. I just watched on Hulu or YouTube, or once in a while I might watch it live, but it's not too often that that goes on. Mike at kmgx.com. That would be the email address. All right, it's Mike at kmgx.com. Also, the PayPal address. Very important that I point that out. And why am I pointing that out? Because well, you can uh, send uh, money to this program, your most generous contributions to our podcast to help uh, to help the viability, the sustainability of this show. 
keep it going. You you like the podcast. You like the show, right? Sure. So keep it on. And um, I promise any any money that you send, we uh, we actually do use for the show and for my bills. We got to take a break. Come back and uh, get into more stuff. You know. That's how we roll. Got to talk about a uh, disturbing trend. The only thing worse than beauty pageants for kids, and when I'm talking kids, like seven-year-olds, are people that dress their kids up in beauty pageant-esque clothes or sexy, quote-unquote, sexy clothes for kids. People that do that, usually it's either super white trash people or these really pretentious people that think that their little snowflakes are just the hottest thing ever. It's terrible. All right, we'll be back. With Michael Graff in exile on a Wednesday. We're back. Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com, also our PayPal address. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Yes, we're also on Facebook. Yes, MichaelGroff.com is the website for all things Michael Groff Show and Michael Groff related, in, in a sense. And there you have it. Such a good tune. I don't know whatever happened to these guys. I don't know why this song never really took off, but I like it a lot. That's why I use it as a bumper. So kind of a disturbing story. Primark, which is a discount clothing store, has decided to withdraw a padded bikini top aimed at girls as young as seven following criticism that the items were... <laughs> were... Uh, sexualizing children. Yeah, you think so? The This is, of course, from Across the Pond. Hi there in England's house. Yes. The four-pound bikini, that's the, the price, four pounds, 
So about seven bucks. The seven dollar bikini, which comes in pink with gold stars or black with white polka dots, was part of the retailer's swimming costume range. Wow. The company apologized for any of offense. For any offense. Got to understand, this is a British story. Offense with a C-E. That's, that always throws me off. For any offense uh, caused by the product. And uh, they say that uh, the profits from the bikinis already sold would be given to children's charities. A spokesman said, quote, Primark has taken note of the concern this morning regarding the sale of certain bikini tops for girls, a product line that uh, sells in relatively small quantities. See, apparently they even have the white trash clothing stores over in the UK. That's good. Quote, Primark will donate all the profits made from this product uh, to a children's charity and apologies to the customers for any offense caused. A report in The Sun said that garments were in the uh, halter neck style and uh, favored by glamour model Katie Price, whoever that is. Uh, David Cameron described the sale, quote, disgraceful in an interview with BBC London Radio on Wednesday morning. Quote, there is a classic example today where Primark are apparently, we're apparently uh, pushing padded bras on seven-year-olds, which I think is completely disgraceful, he said. All right, well, uh, nice job, England. Uh, but that's not it for the British stupid news in fact, we have one more story. This is from London. Now, this, this can't even be real because well, where I never find this type of person. Uh, Amanda Flowers is a catering worker in Manchester. All right. Now, guys, uh, we should point out uh, she is single. And uh, dig this. She needs 10 sex sessions a day. This is, uh, she found this out after a fall from her Wii Fit board, which turned her into a sex addict. Even the slightest of vibrations uh, from, uh, from mobile phones to food processors turns her on, reports the Daily Star. She said, quote, it began as a twinge down below before surging through my body. Sometimes it built up into a trembling orgasm. A doctor diagnosed her with persistent sexual arousal syndrome due to a damaged nerve. Single Amanda, 24, from, uh, from, Harp, from Harper Hay, said, quote, With no cure, I just have to try to control my passion by breathing deeply. Hopefully one day I'll find a super stud who can satisfy me. That, uh, that doesn't sound like a medical issue to me. I'm sorry. That, that doesn't sound like a problem. That sounds great. Of course, if you were with somebody like that, it would be hard to satisfy her. Um, let me just say for the record, um, I'm available. All right. Uh, I haven't, you know, listen, it's been, uh, it's been like 289 days for me. So I am, I'm totally available and uh, would uh, happily, uh, you know, happily... Well, come on over there um, 10 times. Well, hey, listen, uh, there was a time in my life where I did it 12 times in a day. And uh, after that, my, my back, I was almost paralyzed and uh, I couldn't move for a couple of days. But, you know, listen, uh, I'm willing to try it out. I'm just throwing my, uh, throwing my hat into the ring right now. I mean, 10 times a day, that, I don't see any problem with that whatsoever. 10 sex sessions a day. This is like, this is a dream girl. Of course, you know, here's the problem. And I don't have a picture of her to know this for sure, but I, I bet, see, there's a very good possibility that this woman looks like, well, she probably looks like a, a cross between, I don't know, Rosie O'Donnell and a wildebeest. Yes, between Rosie O'Donnell and a wildebeest. Well, that's very possible. So, I mean, you have to be careful what you wish for. But, you know, if you're even relatively, if you're even somewhat attractive, uh, I'm there. I'm down. Uh, how, how much you want to bet that this woman has had to change her number at least 10 times since this story? And her name is in the story. We're going to look her up. Let's look her up right now. Let's get this woman on the phone. Man.
the slightest vibration. Here, it's a, hey, honey. Okay, just uh, you're on the phone, right? Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Here, just put the phone down there. All right. Just do that. It'll work out perfect. All right. That's the uh, that's the creepy story of the day. That's interesting. All right. That's it. I think we can leave. <laughs> We've done this story. All right, uh, hockey. Oh, yeah, I have to give you the hockey news. So uh, we have uh, some hockey ratings. And, you know, everybody said that after the Olympics, hockey was sure to get a boost. Uh, yeah, not so much. Overnight ratings from NBC's uh, telecast of the final game of the regular season um, drew a whopping... Uh, this is almost unbelievable. It's time to play Guess the Ratings for the NHL. On, uh, let's see, on Sunday, the overnight ratings show... A 1.0. That's the share that they got. A 1.0 share. By comparison, um, their telecast the week before drew a, a whopping 0.9. And in fact, uh, this the ratings were down 10% over the same period last year. Furthermore, before the Olympics... NBC's weekly, uh, well, occasional hockey broadcasts, uh, the last one that they got before the Olympics, scored a 1.2. So ratings actually went down for NHL telecasts following the Olympics. They didn't even get a boost out of the Olympics. In fact, the ratings have gone down. See, this is why hockey is going to forever be irrelevant when it comes to the United States. And again, understand what I say. I like hockey. I watch hockey. I, I'm into the Coyotes. I'm, I'm there. I, I want to watch. In fact, as I'm talking to you right now, the playoff game is going on between them and the Red Wings, okay? So it's it's right here. I've got that on. I've got the baseball. I've got basketball. I've, I've got... It's, it's nothing but distraction that I see everywhere I look in this room, okay? So I've got plenty to keep my, my eyes occupied. I don't even need the woman that needs it 10 times a day. Though I would... Uh, I'm not uh, turning that away. I'm all right with it. But really, I, I like hockey. I'm into it. But guess what? You know, at the end of the day, most people aren't into it. Most people, uh, you know, they don't, they don't have an interest. And that is, once again, uh, showing itself in the TV numbers. And it's too bad because playoff hockey is exciting. Uh, the people that do watch it, the people that do get into it, they love it. My dad was huge into hockey. I got into it. There was a time in the 90s where uh, after the Rangers won the Stanley Cup, I know that uh, hockey was beginning to pick up popularity and then they had to do something stupid like have that lockout. Uh, and that, that killed the sport here in the United States. That was it. It was game over for them. Hockey never recovered from that. It's, uh, it's never, you know, we always say the four majors and we always, when we're talking about the four major sports, we're always talking about baseball, football, basketball, and hockey, but, you know, technically speaking, and even though I don't consider NASCAR a sport, NASCAR is far above hockey. Golf, the PGA, far above hockey. I mean, look at the ratings for this weekend. The ratings were just incredible for the Masters this weekend uh, with Tiger and Phil Mickelson going at it. You know, once again, Tiger really shows his true character. I didn't even point this out, but... I figure it's important that I note this. Uh, after after walking off the course in the Masters and getting interviewed, Tiger had the opportunity to say something like, gee, you know, I want to congratulate Phil Mickelson on, on winning the round for him and you know his wife, Amy. I'm, I just, my prayers are with her and with him and with their family, whatever. My Buddhist prayers, whatever. And he could have congratulated him. No. He talked about himself. He talked about his round. Well, you know, just uh, he was uh, very defensive about the way he played. Tiger Woods really, he's a leopard doesn't change its spots. You are who you are. Tiger is who he is. That's not going to change anytime soon just because, uh, well, I mean, he placed fourth. I mean, he did fine. You know, if he doesn't win for a while, people are going to say, see, the whole scandal ruined him. Now that he's not getting sex, that ruined him. That has nothing to do with it. Give me a break. 
All right, Mike at KMGX.com. That's the email address. That is also the PayPal address. You can always make a donation to this program. MichaelGroff.com for more of your Michael Groff needs. Also on Facebook. Yes, we're also on AOL Instant Messenger, the screen name Michael Groff Show. We're on um, EFNet IRC, the channel Net Radio. We're everywhere, all right? If you haven't figured that out yet. I got a lot of sports to watch. I got a lot of stuff to do. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll have the pop chart for you and so much more. Michael Groff in exile. You know where to find it. I think you do because you're listening to it right now. It's probably wherever you found it. Two hands and a flashlight. You might need it. All right. We'll, we'll be back. We'll see you next time. Have a great night. See you.